Is your business stuck? Tired of leaving money on the table? Are you ready to take it to the next level? Join us as we dive deep into the small business secrets successful entrepreneurs are implementing to see massive results. This is the Business Growth Hacks Podcast, presented by Beefy Marketing. Here's your host, Andrew Brockenbush. What's going on, everybody? How's it going, John? Welcome back to another episode, oh, man. I am doing great today, having a good day of podcasting today. I'm excited to get to talk. <laughs> We've got a brand new microphone over there for you. I man. know, that looks I do. Nice. That's why I'm excited. See, it's I quite the upgrade. In the <laughs> castle from the podcast, pod mic, right? Yeah. <laughs> nice, man. Yeah, John's been like struggling while I've been using this beautiful Shure SM7B. He's been rocking the Rode Pod mic, which is a great microphone. Oh but yeah. You know, there's something about the beauty of the Shure SM7B that I'm glad you finally got one in your room as well. I'm happy with it. I'm enjoying it. Sounds so crispy. We've got a great, great episode in store for you guys. We have an awesome guest. Mickey Kennedy is the founder and president of e-releases, the small business leader for press release distribution. They're now celebrating 22 years in business. That's awesome. He's an expert at helping small businesses increase their visibility and credibility. And he's here today to share some valuable insights Mickey, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited about this conversation because I think PR like feels like one of yeah. those traditional like marketing verticals that sometimes I think people dismiss and they don't necessarily want to subscribe to or invest in. But I think that there's a huge amount of opportunity there. So super excited to do that. But before we do, we're going to jump into an icebreaker. Let's kick it. Ice, icebreaker. All right. So today's icebreaker, really simple one. Do you have a favorite soda? Hands down. You know I do. I know John does. Dr. Pepper. <laughs> I figure let's just get it out the way, right? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Mine is uh, Coke Zero. Okay. Coke Zero. Nice. Have you always been a Coke fan? I've always been a diet soda fan because being a chubby kid, I always wanted to like not drink my calories. And so, I used to drink Tab and then Diet Coke and then Coke Zero came around and it's like, well, this tastes almost as good as real yeah. soda. And other people are like, no, it doesn't. It does not. But to right. me, it's really good. Awesome. That's freaking cool. Yeah, John... He's definitely a Dr. Pepper fiend. <laughs> yeah, Coke Zero definitely tastes the most like Coke of the diet sodas or to the original, you know, like they all claim that, right? Everybody right. claims to, but I would agree with you there. I think mine is probably a toss up between Dr. Pepper and root beer, Barks root beer specifically. There's a lot of great root beers out there. Actually, oh, root beer is one of those drinks though that there's like, you know, high class root beer that you have like only in certain occasions, like an IBC root beer that's glass, you know, that you have in the freezer and it's got a little iciness on it or like a frosty root beer. A&W has never been my favorite root beer. I don't know why. It just kind of always has like a bit of a flat flavor to it. I think Barks is like the sharpest, if that makes any sense. For soda drinkers, I think people kind of know what that sharp flavor is like. When you pop open that bottle and you get that like nice carbonated, you know, you're like, yes, this is going to be a, a good soda, even though I know I shouldn't be drinking it because it's just loaded full of sugar. But that's probably the benefit of Coke Zero, right? Isn't that right? zero sugar? It is. Zero sugar and supposedly all flavor. But I admit it's not as good as sugared soda, but it's better than water. And I don't like yeah. drinking water. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. 
And there's all these like gimmicky, you know, like water additive type products that claim to like be a good alternative. And I just can't buy into that. Like I just don't find any of them to be very good. Yeah. Well, and also if you're adding stuff into the water, you're not really drinking water anymore either. You're adding those flavors and other stuff back in. Maybe it doesn't have the sugar, but there's still other aspects of it too. So you might as well have a Coke. Yeah, and it's typically just like a sugar alternative. It's still a product that you probably shouldn't be consuming. (sighs) Oh, well, I digress. Well, I'm extremely excited about this conversation because I do think PR is extremely important for businesses. And I think a lot of companies out there don't see the value. So you've been doing this for 22 years or longer, I'd imagine. Yeah, it'll be actually be 24 years in October. Wow. wow. That's impressive. Now you actually have a degree in poetry though. How did you kind of make the move from poetry (laughs) to what you're doing now in the business that you own? Right. So about 25 years ago, I was finishing up a degree in poetry, an MFA in creative writing with an emphasis in poetry. I assumed I would just be waiting tables the rest of my life. And I did that <laughs> for a summer and it was physically taxing. It was psychologically taxing in a way that I had never experienced. And when I would get home after 10 hours on concrete floors where my ankles hurt, my knees hurt, my hips hurt, my back hurt. I would then just be so drained that I didn't want to read or write. And I was like, you know what? You need to get an office job. So I applied and was accepted at a telecom research startup. I was employee number three. And they were like, you're the writer. You're going to write press releases for us. (laughs) And so I got thrust into that and I learned how to write them and send them out. And I was doing faxing at the time. And we would fax all these telecom statistics and numbers. And I started to get phone calls from journalists saying, could you email that to me? Do you have it like in a Word doc? And I was just like, email seems like a natural progression. And I mentioned to yeah. my boss and he's like, hey, that could be a business there. So I spent about a year contacting journalists and just asking them, could I send you press releases via email on the beats and subjects that you write about? And almost all of them 25 years ago, 24 years ago said yes. And that's when I launched e-releases and I just did email sends to journalists And at some point, PR Newswire reached out to me and said, hey, you should also send your releases through us. And I pointed out that they charge $1,000 to move a 500-word press release. And I'm charging my clients a couple hundred dollars. And so surprisingly, they kept coming back and asking questions. And they liked that my customers were startups and entrepreneurs who do like two or three releases a year. Their salespeople would never be interested in, in reaching out to people like that because it's not enough volume and not enough revenue for them. So yeah. we sort of crafted in a deal that worked for both of us. We, by default, set up our releases for next business day. And they have editorial staff overnight just in case breaking news or a recall or some important message that has to go out. But for the most part, they just sit idle. And so they were able to work on our releases and set them up overnight. And so it didn't really cost them additional labor. So that was sort of the way that we partnered together. And I really appreciate them because they've given access to a lot of small businesses and entrepreneurs that just would never be able to afford $1,000 plus to send out a press release. That's super impressive. I mean, I'm very familiar with their organization and the fact that you've created a relationship with them and the fact that like if someone tried to start this business today, they just wouldn't have the same success that you did because 
all these people's inboxes are just inundated with everyone trying to pitch themselves nowadays, right? Right. I am very fortunate that when I reached out to journalists 25 years ago, email was a novelty and they were yeah. just like, <laughs> yeah, sign me up. More email. That's great. And now yeah. I know it's just the opposite problem. How long was it from the time that you kind of had the idea, the idea was birthed and you were working for that telecoms company to the time that you kind of took it full time and decided like, oh, this is like actually like a business, like I can do this on my own? A couple of years, I launched it and still worked at the telecom startup and I just sort of handled the orders after hours and set them up for the next day and that was sort of how it worked. But after a while, I realized that it was becoming more than I could manage in a part-time basis. And so I left the telecom startup. It was exciting, but it was also kind of brutal. It was a lot of 50 and 60 yeah. hour weeks. And I'm also trying my own business on the weekends and after hours as well. So I was happy when I finally left, but I learned a lot and it was a really great environment. And it taught me a lot about PR and the types of things that the media is interested in. Yeah. So are you a solopreneur or do you actually have employees that work for you or with you or contractors? I stayed a solopreneur for longer than I should have. Um, <laughs> when I hired I my that. first employee, I probably should have been hiring my second or third. I was really overwhelmed and just overworked. But today we have seven editors. We have an assistant, a project manager, a uh, wrangler who does everything. So there's about 10 of us all together. And we also have some freelancers that we work with for writers and project developers. And it always seems like there's a team of programmers that you're working with as well. So it has grown to be this massive thing that I never intended when I started. Yeah, that's freaking <laughs> awesome. We're in the same boat. Like we're a team, I think of like six or seven now. And it was the same thing. I probably was five or six years in before I was like, Oh yeah, you, you could do this like with some people that could help you out and like be better and you won't <laughs> drop the ball so much. And yeah, it, it took way too long. I mean, we've made half of the hires we've made in the last year. So, I mean, just goes to show yeah. you like just how slow we allowed ourselves to grow. And we've been doing this for almost 10 years. And so, you know, it's just funny how that, I don't know, early on you're looking at all the profits and you're like, oh yeah, like I'm trying to keep that. Like, and then you realize really quickly just like how much opportunity you would have if you just kind of asked for help. Right. For me, I was worried that I'm now responsible for someone else's salary and what happens yes. if we have a bad month or a bad two or three months. Same. And so, that's just the negative thoughts that are in the back of my mind and the fears that I had because I can be fearful for me, but now I have to be fearful for others as well. Right. Yeah. I still feel that way sometimes. Like even right now, like, I mean, 10 years in and I'm like, I need to hire an assistant and I need to hire someone else to support us with, you know, video editing. And I'm just like, can we afford that? <laughs> you know, like, can we actually <laughs> afford this? You know, what happens? Like they have a family and they have to have benefits and it's a lot of a responsibility. It's like, it's, we've been kind of talking about doing vlogs as an agency. And one of the videos that I came up with in my head the other day are like the things that they don't tell you about entrepreneurship, you know, like being your own boss is hard when there's nobody to tell you what to do and what you need to do and when to do it. All of those things I think are fun. And I think it's what makes entrepreneurship special though too. Like we're a very well-rounded individual because of the experiences that we've had to face. <laughs> so talking about press releases for a second, I think again, press releases are, I feel like something that like 
most businesses feel like are kind of reserved for like larger companies and larger corporations, you know, like that's typically who you see doing PR. What is your definition of a press release? And then how can small business owners be leveraging the power of press releases? So a press release is just basically a document, an announcement that you're sending out to the media. It's written in the third person. You can have stuff written in the first person and a quote. And I always recommend to have a really compelling quote, something that's really exciting. And that's where you can sort of put your creative oomph and power there. It's just something that you're making available to the media in hopes that they'll turn it into an article or a story. You don't always control how that story goes. I mean, Microsoft will often issue a press release talking about how great it is that they're abandoning a project like a bulletin boards or something like that. But the stories that get written may not be positive. They may be saying yeah. bulletins are going away because Microsoft never really figured out how to monetize them. And <laughs> yeah. so that is yeah. one of the things about it's PR. It, it's not necessarily the story that's going to be written. But with most small businesses and entrepreneurs, it's not something that generally has that dark side that they're going to flesh out or anything like that. And the thing to keep in mind is that while the big companies are issuing lots of press releases, journalists like the press releases from small companies, independent companies, people that they haven't heard from before, because a journalist acts as a curator. They're a gatekeeper and a curator of content. Then they're deciding what's worthy of sharing with their audience. And they hate sharing an article about Microsoft Office, the latest edition or something like that. They know Microsoft can afford to advertise. They don't need yeah. an article that focuses on them unless it's just a product roundup or something like that. So they do like startups, especially small businesses. About a third of the people that appear on Shark Tank actually use e-releases to send out press releases when their episode airs. The producers actually recommend us to the people. And so they do really well. And I think that startups do pretty well because they have a very defined, unique selling proposition or unique value proposition of what makes them different from everybody else. And owning your story and being authentic and having a story that's compelling is valuable. And I challenge everybody to refine what it is that you do that's different than everybody else. And sometimes that story in and of itself combined with something else can really make your chances of getting an article written much, much stronger. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things that I think business owners are fearful of when it comes to press releases, something that I've at least seen in the last couple of years, are these kind of startup companies that promise press releases with guaranteed placement as featured on or as seen on. Mm -hmm. And I certainly think that that's like a cool like byproduct of a press release, but I don't think it should be like the number one ROI factor of a press release, in my opinion. But I think some of the fear there is that just because you have distribution doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to get picked up and anyone's going to do an article about it. And, and I also realize that even in what you do, you can't promise or guarantee that someone's going to write an article. But I think it's beyond just the distribution of the press release that's important. What do you feel like makes a compelling press release? I think it has to have that newsworthy aspect. And it can be lots of different things. I always challenge clients who come to me, they feel defeated. They've done a couple releases, nothing happened. And so other than the syndication that you talked about where the release sure. appears on Yahoo Finance and a lot of other cool places, but we're really looking for earned media. There's original articles where a journalist turns it into something. And I always say, try a survey or study in your industry. I've never seen those fail. They often result in eight to 14 articles 
that are written about you. You just have to make sure that you ask really compelling questions that are relevant today. And right now is a perfect time for anybody to do a survey because there's uncertainty. The economy, where do we stand? Coming out of a pandemic, where do we stand? Hiring issues, supply chain issues. What's really going on in your industry right now? Are people hiring more or are they not? Are they spending more money on ad marketing programs or have they stepped back a little bit? And those are the types of questions that any journalist in your industry would be like, oh, I would like to know what a good sampling of my industry feels on these types of questions. I always say while you're asking questions, you might as well throw in a couple oddball left field questions. I usually save them towards the end. And I do a multi-page survey where like on the fourth page, you might have two or three, four questions and you can afford to be a little fun there. Sometimes even just having an open-ended field where they just, in one case, we had a auto repair shop ask other auto repair shops what's the strangest thing a customer left in their car while being repaired and just left a space for them <laughs> to write a couple sentences awesome. and that was the one that went really viral when we published the results and sent out the press release and it was compelling it was entertaining it wasn't really statistically relevant but it was yeah. human interest and it had that sure. interest factor going for it. And so a survey is the one thing that I always tell people, if you feel defeated or you want to start strong, just do a survey. And a lot of my customers, they challenge me. They're like, well, how would I do it? I'm like, just get a survey monkey and set up a survey. Yeah. They'll handle everything. You can do multi-page versions of it. They'll help you compile all the results so that you'll just have it easy to put together. You then look at the results and you say, what's the big aha moment here? What was surprising? What wasn't surprising or what do you think is the most relevant here? And that's kind of what you want to package a story around and have a really compelling quote why it turned out that way. Another thing that my customers always ask is, I don't know who to send this to. And I'm just like, your industry has a lot of small and independent trade associations. Ask them to send it to their members. Tell them that you'll mention them in a press release that you're sending over PR Newswire. The small and independent trade associations don't get a lot of love. They like these little things where mm -hmm. they get included in a press release and potentially in articles that go to print. So they will often send it to their members, both sharing it with social media and or email as well. And I found that that works and it's not that difficult, but my clients make me feel it's very difficult when I'm <laughs> instructing them how to do it. That's a brilliant idea. We also kind of get hung up in the fact that like press releases have to be directly tied to some type of news, yeah. formal news, like we built a brand new building or we have a groundbreaking or we're celebrating a 50 years of, you know, this business or a brand new business relationship, whatever. But I don't think we think about more of those fun, newsworthy articles, that survey, like I was just thinking for my industry, you know, I'm in the marketing industry and we do websites and, you know, promotional products and printing. I might go to ASI, which is one of the largest trade organizations for promotional products distribution and say, hey, like, why don't we partner up and do a survey on the state of the promotional products industry? You know, how many people think it is important to buy a t-shirt or branded pins or branded drinkware or any of those questions? And then we could do a press release to say like the state of promotional products in 2022. And that's something that would likely get promoted and picked up on because people are interested in that. Like, is it still important to buy a t-shirt? Is it still important to have a branded hat or a branded pin or whatever the case may be? So I really like the idea of like kind of thinking outside of the box beyond just like news. Do you have any other ideas of ways that people can use press releases that go beyond kind of like the standard? Right. I always challenge people to stay away from the standard fare. 
the person you hired, you may want to send out a press release, yeah. but the only person that's going to pick it up is maybe the local paper and one trade publication for a very small yeah. mention. Just send it directly to them. Don't bother using a service. You really don't want to spend the expense of going over a wire for those types of press releases. But researching your industry for blind spots is a really great way to sort of pick up on something that maybe your industry hasn't covered or covered extensively. What are the types of things when you're in a conference that you and the other people talk about that you never really see in print? And I've had that work really well for industries where who's their biggest enemy? And it's not necessarily who you think it is. With a carpet company, they did a press release that was sort of David Goliath about how small independent carpet companies and regional players are having to fight and combat the big box home improvement stores that are just out there eating their lunch and providing an inferior product and an inferior service. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, many of the people that install carpets have never installed carpets before. They just look to see if you have the home improvement license and that's all that Home Depot or Lowe's really cares about in a lot of these cases, as I'm being told by these players. So we did this press release about David versus Goliath and what they have to do to differentiate themselves. And it got picked up in like 10 floor trade publications. And we continued to use the marketing angle going forward. And it worked, I think, in total, they got like 30 articles in their industry, including a local newspaper and a New Jersey magazine where they were located. And they put together a big book. They call it their brag book. And every time they want to give someone a quote on a carpet installation, they would show them, we've appeared in Floor Trade Weekly, we've appeared here. And all of a sudden, they started converting like 15% more sales just by using that book. Nothing else was changed. It was just that book, the credibility of people saying, yeah, this company might be a little bit more expensive, but you know, they've been picked up in all these floor trade publications, the local newspaper, New Jersey magazine, that's worth something. And I think that that really helps to sort of get people who are on the fence or maybe considering two people to steer your way. There's a lot of validity that comes from being put into a publication, whether it's a national publication or a local publication. I think really no matter, it's something that kind of serves as a trust factor, a trust symbol. We talk a lot about that, the importance Mm -hmm. of those items on your website. You know, that is the great thing about those as seen in or as seen on sections. It's like, okay, cool. Maybe you put it, but maybe go that one step further and link that logo out to that article so that it really says, hey, I'm not just using this logo, but I actually was included in this article. So, I mean, case in point for us was, you know, I was featured on Forbes in a top 10 kind of roundup of what CEOs had about making mistakes. And that was a really great publication. And we've got it framed in the office. It looks really cool. Mm -hmm. And when clients come in and they see a Forbes magazine with my name on it, that seems like a big deal, you know, regardless of at what level it was, it still is a big deal when you see your name kind of in the shining lights, right? Yeah. Everybody wants to see their name in lights. Everybody. Do you personally struggle with convincing clients the value or the benefit of press releases being that it is like more of a traditional medium or have you found, I mean, obviously you're successful, you've been doing it for 25 years, so clearly something's going right. But do you have like some apprehension from new prospects about the potential of it working for them? I think that most of the time when we encounter people for the first time, they've got a press release written already and they're in shopping mode and they're comparing services. And it's very unfortunate because often, I would say 95% of the time, the press release they have in their hands is not a newsworthy (laughs) press release. So it's really after that first press release does nothing, how do I talk to my customers? 
And the first thing I do is I try to have a conversation with them about doing strategic types of press releases. I have a masterclass that I created for free for my customers that just tries to go through eight strategic types of press releases that work and work time again. And I lead with the survey and the study type press release being one, researching your industry for blind spots being another. But there's a whole list of these strategic types of press releases that on their own have a success rate that's like 10x just a standard type of press release. And so it is difficult but to get them because they just spent money with you, nothing happened, and now you're trying to get them to see a bigger vision. But I think a lot of people do appreciate the conversation and they do recognize that they came into it with what's in it for me. And they were trying to announce their product or their service and expecting the media to just say, oh, this company really wants to promote their product. Therefore, we should do an article about it. And it doesn't work that way. You almost have to reverse engineer what you're announcing so that a journalist as a gatekeeper, they'll find it irresistible and want to share it with their audience. Going back to that curation, they're like, wow, this is really cool. I want to make sure my audience finds out about it. And you can take the same announcement many times and reverse engineer it and write it from a perspective of, here's value and here's why someone would find this interesting. Sometimes it takes a product type press release and injecting case use studies and how certain people have solved issues with this product. And that goes different and counter to a lot of the product press releases that you see that are out there. And if you just sit there and follow what everyone else is doing, it's probably a recipe for not much happening. Do you guys offer help with the writing side? Because I know that that is like something like I worry about, you know, it's like, okay, great. I can go to PR Newswire and pay the money to get my thing put out there, right? To all these places. But it's like, if I did a shit job of writing my press release, it's not going to be picked up. It's not going to be received well. Do you guys support businesses with that aspect of the process? We do. We do offer writing services and we do try to help people craft more strategic ideas But even with the writing, we get people who have a very finite thing that they want covered and it might be a new hire. And so we'll write that press release, but we've also recognized its limitations. So we have a very careful line that we have to follow where we don't turn away business, but we do try to steer people from their ideas of what they should be doing and try to get them to act more strategically. That totally makes sense. I mean, I've been guilty of the same thing, right? Like, Okay, we've restructured the way we're pricing things. We're going to put a press release to say, we have changed the way people charge websites. It's like, yeah, yeah. you're not special, right? Like, <laughs> you're like, cool, bro. You know, it's not yeah. that cool. But like, as I'm talking to you, like, my gears are turning. Like, I'm that kind of person. Like, as we're talking, I'm like, ooh, that would be a cool press release. That would be a cool press release. Like, actually things that I feel like people would find value in. You know, especially with the idea of the reports or the, you know, the surveys. I think that's brilliant. So, has there been anything that's like really surprised you in your work, whether it was like a client, a specific client or a press release that you had to write that just was like, holy crap, like how did that one go viral or how did that get the traction it got? Right. So, I've been surprised a couple of times. One was with a company called Alerca, which was making a hypoallergenic cat. And I think that they then spread out to dogs. And I remember being at the Midway Airport in Chicago after their press release. And I think there was over 20 magazine covers with them on it. 
And they weren't necessarily good. A lot of them were like, (laughs) should we be doing this? Are we playing God? And, you know, and stuff like that. So, that one really just shocked me and surprised me. It didn't end well for them. There was allegations that there was no hypoallergenic cat. There was cats being delivered, but they were not what some people were reporting to be. And so, I don't know about that, but I know that they sold millions of dollars worth of these animals and took reservations from people. So, that was cool. Early in the pandemic, I did a complimentary press release for a friend who has a small PR boutique. And it was for the Dining Bond Initiative. And it was a short-lived project where they were just trying to help all these restaurants that were shut down to give them access to revenue. And basically, you would nominate your favorite local restaurant and they would try to contact them. And if they accepted, they would put them in the system and any money that you donated would immediately go to them and help them out, help perhaps staffing or keeping the lights on or whatever they needed. And it would be secured sort of like a gift certificate type program. It got picked up in over 150 articles. I mean, that's when we stopped clipping. Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Washington Post, all the major publications covered them. All the food trade publications covered it. And it just was very viral. If you go to ereleases.com and case studies, it's the top one there because it was just such a surprise. And it was a pleasant surprise. And I think that that succeeded so well because we were dealing with negative news. We were unclear what the future held early on in the pandemic. And here was something actionable that you could do to actually help locally. And I think that that really resonated with a lot of people. And I think that's why so many publications rallied around it. And I know it generated millions of dollars of revenue that made its way back to these restaurants. I love stories like that where the businesses were in tune with the need locally and it was authentic. And then they leveraged press to expand on that mission. You know, I feel like as business owners, it's the same problem business owners make with the marketing overall. We're always thinking about ourselves, right? Like, I want to make sure that my About Us page looks amazing. It's like, no one cares about you. Like, talk about what you're doing for your customers, right? And so it's like, if we took that same mindset around press and press releases specifically, I think we would start to kind of re- create like ideas for press releases. Like if you know what's going on in the current news and what topics are hot, then maybe there's like a way you can leverage that. For example, if you're a fuel savings app, why don't you write a article about the future of fuel prices? Something of that nature that feels like it will support people who are struggling with finding ways to save money on gas. So those are the kind of things too, as writers or as editors at these local news stations, they want to talk about what people are actually going to engage in, right? Like they have a narrative that they have to accomplish as well. They have their own social media goals. They have all that. And so I think we have to write for those people as well. And so I think that comes back down to as business owners, what are we actually talking about? I don't know. That's my thought on the whole matter. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm still kind of hung up on the like hypoallergenic dog cat situation because that's just hilarious. But it makes me think of the old, you know, saying all press is good press or any press is good press. Do you believe in that? Do you think that that's true? <laughs> I think most press is good press. There is some <laughs> yeah. press that's negative and it's going to knock the wind out of your sails. Fortunately, it doesn't generally happen with a lot of small businesses unless it's something controversial like the Alerca. They were a small business. And I think that they invited the negative and the controversy because it got the name out there and it got the story out there. And for people who are allergic to pets, it excited them that this was a new alternative and something that they yeah. could consider. There's this lady that they made a whole documentary on Netflix about. 
She loved Steve Jobs. She like tried to dress like him. Elizabeth Holmes. Oh, yes, mm-hmm. yes. She had that company called like Theranos. Yes. It was kind of the same concept. Like her whole company was like based on science that people thought was real and everyone was like mm-hmm. subscribing to it and like believing in it and buying into it. But then when it kind of all came out, it was like, yeah, that was all just hype. It was all hype. That is so fascinating to me that, well, it just goes to show how important press really is, yeah. right? I mean, the fact that like you can literally control or shape someone's completely belief system about yourself by what is put in the media. You know, you watch someone like Elon Musk tweet about Dogecoin and the markets just shift in massive ways up or down. I mean, right now there's like lawsuits that are people are putting together against Elon Musk for basically inflating prices of Doge so that he could basically financially benefit off of the hype. Press is extremely fascinating to me. So, I guess to kind of conclude today's interview, we always like to ask our guests to share a business growth hack, whether it's something directly related to what you offer to companies or if it's something that you've just learned in your experience over the last 25 years. Do you have a business growth hack that you could share with our listeners? I think for me, the biggest business growth hack I had was you can make a really strong connection with someone virtually. Our customers are online only, and it's easy to get their first dollars because they've got a press release already written and they're just looking to send it out. But it's hard to get them to commit to doing a PR campaign with you and to buy into the idea that a strategic press release will get you the results that you were hoping to have received with that first press release. And so I sort of deconstructed, how could I make me more trustworthy? And we invest a lot when someone comes on board. We send them a book. We send them ideas for their next press release, having paid a writer to look at their website and come up with ideas. We send them an email welcoming them in front of a whiteboard with their name on it. We really do try to make a lot of efforts to be personal. And we make phone calls with them and try to schedule calls with them to just discuss how their press release did and talk about PR with them. And it's worked really well. It used to be most people would use us once and that was it. And it's changed over time where that number is much more improved. And I feel like it can be more improved. But I think that so many people just think about being an e-commerce business. What can you do to make it as simple as possible, as touchless as possible. And I've sort of embraced the other thing. I want lots of touches. I want to really make a connection. And I'm surprised that it's worked so well. And that's, for me, been a big hack that so many other e-commerce businesses and SaaS businesses especially don't put much effort in. Yeah, there's a great book out there called The Automatic Customer which is all about the subscription-based business model specifically. But one of the things they talk about in that book is how important the first 90 days of an onboarding is for a online or digital SaaS customer. That's really kind of what sets the tone for what the potential churn in the future will be or the potential opportunity for them to come back and be a repeat customer. I'm actually really excited to hear that you are doing so much to personalize that onboarding experience because we do the same thing. Like we're a web design agency and when someone buys a website from us, we actually send them a box that has a coffee cup and a notebook, chapstick, a phone charger, like all this cool swag that like we invested a lot of money into. That's not something your normal website company is going to do, right? Like typically you 
hire a website company, spend a lot of money. It's a terrible experience. It drags on for months and months and months and months. And then you finally get it built and then they kind of just leave you hanging and you're like, I don't know what to do from here. And I really wanted to change that experience. I wanted them to have a personal relationship with us because very much like your business, although we have a brick and mortar office, a lot of our customers are virtual. We have calls with them on the phone. We have Zoom calls. And so we wanted to personalize it. We even do stuff like when we're done with the website, we'll actually do a website launch party where we'll send them pizza to their office and say like, hey, congratulations, we want to celebrate the launch of your website because it's a big deal. I think it's really important to personalize automation and personalize onboarding. So I think that's an incredible business growth hack. I think that you're right. There's a lot of other businesses, especially in the digital world or the digital space, that just miss out on the opportunities there to build trust and personalize their experience with their customers. So I appreciate sharing that. So why don't you tell our customers and our listeners, because it's both our customers that listen to the podcast and our listeners out there in the world (laughs) that that, uh, listen to this podcast, how they can support you, how they can benefit from the resources you have to offer. Plug whatever you'd like to plug. Okay. So my website's ereleases.com. All my social media is in the lower right. It's my direct LinkedIn. And that's a great way to reach me personally. The other social media, I don't understand very much. And I've got people who are smarter and younger than me who (laughs) who take care of that for me. I did mention that I had a free masterclass for my customers. I think that would be something I would make available. If anyone's interested, just go to ereleases.com forward slash plan, P-L-A-N. It's completely free and it's eight strategic ideas. It's less than an hour commitment of a video. And I think that anybody who's thinking about PR or wondering if PR might work for them, if they watch this video, I know they're going to come away with probably 10 good ideas for a newsworthy press release. And if you follow these types of press releases, you will get results. I appreciate you sharing that resource because I do think that that, I mean, just on this conversation alone, like... The way it always works is what you can't see behind the scenes, Mickey, is that John is one room over from me. So like he's like behind me here on this wall, like we could touch hands. (laughs) And so every time we're done recording, we like take our headphones off. We open our doors to our offices and we meet in the hallway and we're like, oh, that was so amazing. Let's do this (laughs) and let's do that. And so I definitely feel like that's what's going to happen in just a few minutes is we're going to wrap this episode (laughs) up is we're going to be talking about all the ways we personally could be leveraging press releases to drive the things that we're working on right now. And not just that, like it's one of the things that I've been wanting to do as a part of our experience for our website clients. How can we actually create press releases for every client that we build a website for, but more than just to announce that they have a website, but to actually craft a message that makes someone want to support their business. And so I think that we have some opportunity there. I saw some stuff on your website that's specifically for agencies. So I'm excited about checking that stuff out. And I know there's some other agencies out there that listen to our podcast too. So y'all should definitely check that out. I think that he has a white label program. I think he also has some discounts for PR firms. So if you're an agency, make sure to check those resources out. Like always, guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the podcast. And we will see you guys next time. Next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Business Growth Hacks podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you never miss an episode. To get more marketing tips and tricks, follow Beefy Marketing on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Beefy Marketing. And to take your business to the next level, check out our website at www.beefymarketing.com.